with Rex Uriman in custody. Want to talk to a lawyer who has dealt with high-profile cases and tried to defend people that seem indefensible, and that is the great defense attorney, Arthur Idala. Artie, good morning, buddy. How are you? All is well, all is well. And, yeah, this one would go uh, would go into record books as uh, defending someone who is indefensible. But, you know, a lot of times, Sid, and people have to wrap their brain around this, you, you're really defending the process more than the individual. You're just making sure that everything is being done the right way, that the search warrants were executed properly, that the arrest was done when they had probable cause, that the rules of evidence are being followed. And then, you know, if if that all plays out, look, even though people think it's crazy that I say this because I'm a criminal defense attorney, I pray to God that everyone that gets arrested by law enforcement is guilty. I mean, who who in God's name wants to live in a country when innocent people are getting arrested? So, you know, I hope when people come into my office that the cops got it right because I don't want to live in a country where they're just scooping up the wrong person just because they got to clear a case. So, you know, you sit down. So I know you asked me, what would this case be like? Well, first of all, you said in my office. Well, I wouldn't be meeting the guy in my office. I'd be having to go to some jail cell to meet with him, which I do. Right. It's often. funny you say that because my wife, Danielle, is also a tremendous defense attorney. Not the high-profile cases necessarily. She's got one huge one, but not necessarily the ones that you and Tack have on a regular basis. But I've asked her this, and, you know, she's very, very serious about the confidentiality with the client. So even though I sleep with her every night, she really doesn't tell me anything. But I've asked her about some of those jailhouse meetings when she first meets the quote-unquote bad guy, if you will. So go ahead, tell us how this one would go if, in fact, you went to jail today to visit Mr. Ewerman. Well, I mean, look, there there are times when a guy or a man or a woman comes and sits down and just comes clean with you. And, you know, that they just tell you, look, yeah, this happened and this is why and this is this. But they got this wrong or that's not correct or it wasn't as bad as they're saying that it is. And then there's other times where, I mean, I could tell you a story where, I mean, I re- this is a while ago, but I represented this kid on a homicide. And he swore to me for two years before the case went to trial he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And he had an alibi. And we were looking at the alibi. And he was insisting on going to trial, insisting on going to trial. And literally, we picked the jury. Now I'm going to stand up to do my opening statement. And he goes, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. I go, I go, you can't talk to me. The jury's here. And he's clearly panicked. And the judge sees he's panicked. So she gives me a minute. And I go, judge, he wants to go in the back and talk to me alone. So we go in the back. And I go, Annabelle, what is it? What is it? He goes, all right. All right, I'm going to come clean with you. Oh, my God. I did do, I did do the murder. Oh, God. I, I go, now you're telling me oh this? Oh, my God. I go, the jury is out there. Oh. I go, he goes, I know. Da, da, da. And I, and because the, the evidence wasn't that great, and that I, I got the guy an 11-year plea. It was a drug dealer on drug deal. It wasn't like he went and killed some mother of three or something right. like that. Right. They had a drug deal dispute in the middle of, you know, in the middle of Brooklyn somewhere. So there's sometimes where, again, this guy told me for two years he didn't do it. And then as I'm, I'm about to open, he admits to me that he did it. <laughs> but then, but, but that's not typical. Typically, but let me, but let me ask you this. But, 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 but wait a second. You prepared for this guy as if he was innocent. That's, that's your job. Even after he says to you, seconds before you're about to face the jury that he did it, 
I would imagine that nothing changed for you, right? You went out there and no, 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 no. I I went out there and I said to the prosecutor, I need to talk to you. Oh, you did. I said, okay. look, okay. I said he's willing to take a deal right now. Gotcha. And okay. I was like, what's the yeah. best you could do? They they went outside. They called their supervisor. Right there, boom, eleven years. Well, you know, people so, that you know, people that I talk to about this, they seem to think. Uh, and again, the kid confessed to you. There's a lot of attorneys that I've spoken to, not as uh, good or as famous as you, that do think eventually this guy is going to confess. Now, we know over the years, we've heard about these coerced confessions. I mean, I'll tell you this, Artie, and I mean this, and nobody loves the cops more than me. You know that. Nobody does. I'm still not sure they got the right guy who killed that gorgeous Italian girl running in the park by Howard Beach. I really don't think that was the guy to this day. But they got a confession out of the kid, and uh, and that's the end of it. Do you think that uh, there'll be a confession here? And do you think if there is one, it's because he really did it? Well, you know, I mean, I've I've looked at a lot of the evidence here, and it's all circumstantial. And just so your listeners understand what circumstantial evidence is, what a judge tells a jury circumstantial evidence is, if someone walked into a courtroom in the middle of the trial and they're soaking wet and they have an umbrella that's soaking wet, you can assume without that person testifying that it was raining outside. So there's no eyewitness coming on the stand and saying, yeah, I saw it raining but you could assume from that evidence that it was raining. So that's the kind of evidence that they have here with the triangulations of the burner phones, with the, with the uh, computer searches that he did, with uh, the DNA match, with the hair match. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, the other stuff is one thing, burner phones and that, but the, the science, DNA, how is that not more uh, than circumstantial evidence? Well, because it's not, it's not what's called direct testimony. There's no one taking the stand saying, hi, I'm Sid Rosenberg, and I was going shopping at Joseph Abood's store in Madison Avenue, 49th Street, and I saw that man who's sitting right there, the defendant, take out a gun and shoot Cock Robin. Gotcha. That's direct, that's direct evidence. Gotcha. Circumstantial evidence is, is putting every other piece of those puzzles together. So I don't know. I mean, this guy is clearly, you know, I mean, a way nuts. Forget about everything else, Sid. You and I cut from the same cloth when it comes to this. The searches on his Internet about 10-year-old girls and what he wanted to see them doing. I mean, I would hang the guy up down from his big toes and just let it drain <laughs> out until it's over with. I mean, I mean, that is a sick, really sick, I mean, 10-year-old girls. What the frick? And beating in this. I mean, really, guys on a whole other level of insanity. But in terms of going back to what you said about the Italian girl and, and, and confessions, the first case, the first big case I had out of the DA's office I walk into the precinct. It was it was six, seven people, I think, were shot in broad daylight in the Fulton Mall in Brooklyn. And the kid gets arrested. They bring him. I, the mother hires me for, like, a pittance, but it was my first case, so I was taking anything. And I go in, and I know the detectives. They think I still work in the DA's office. They're like, yeah, Audie, we got a confession. We got a confession. So I go in, and I see the kid. And we had a, a, a saying in the DA's office, only the guilty can sleep. So if you walked in and the guy's sleeping, and he's charged with something, that means he did it. But if he's falsely accused, he's freaking out. And this kid, he was freaking out. And I walked in, and I go, he goes, I didn't do what I do. And I go, bro, they got a confession out of you. He goes, you know how they got the confession out of me? He goes, the cop put the gun in my mouth. Yep. Yep. And, he, and he told me exactly what to write. And God bless, there was one great detective who knew me from the office who pulled me aside. He goes, Arnie, something is not right here. This kid wrote down the wrong type of gun. He was standing in the wrong place. He was, there's like three or four horrible 
inconsistencies here. You got to dig deeper. Long story short, I dug deeper. The Brooklyn DA's office worked on it. The kid was yep. 100% exonerated, yep. and they found the real killer, and right. there was a full written yeah. confession. Yeah, I mean, look, so, I, I, the, the girl deserved better than what I gave her. She was a beautiful young girl. The name was Katrina Vetrano. That was her name, Karina Vetrano. Yes. And the kid they arrested, Chanel Lewis, weighed about 40 pounds soaking wet. And I had no idea how physically he could even do the crime and why he did the crime. And I still don't believe he did it. That's fine. God rest her soul. If he did it, great. But I still have my uh, my questions. But uh, going back to this, do you think then that he will confess? Do you think they'll get a confession from this guy? No. I think I think basically what's going to happen is his lawyer will, will analyze all the evidence He'll meet with him. I don't know what role this guy's wife is playing, and then he went through, you know, but you meet with the family. You just lay it all out, and you say, look, here's the analysis, and this is what they have. And then they, they changed the ethics law recently where if they ask you your opinion, you have to give your opinion on what you should do, whether you should take a plea, whether you should go to trial. So you give your opinion, and then it's up to them. I mean, yeah. there are some nut jobs who say, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this to trial. But here – this guy's got, I mean, they're never going to give him a plea where he can see the light of day. So it's really, he doesn't really have much of a choice. He can either go to trial and lose, but at least he gets to be out and about for two months during the trial. Or, you know, he just takes a plea and loses. And the thing is, he's old. I mean, look at Justin Volpe, the police officer. You know, I think he, he's been released after getting sentenced for 30 years. Yes. I, think he's younger than, I think he's younger than you and I. He is. So oh, he is, yeah. He still yeah. has, like, yeah. a whole hunk of his life ahead yep. of him yep. after doing all of that jail time. This guy is not in that position. Nobody's going to let him out. And, look, I was texting with Ray Tierney last night. Um, I do need to correct you. I know you like to be accurate on everything that you say on the show. Um, there's that other radio show that we don't talk about after John Katsimatidis simulcast on AM 970. There's another show afterwards. And on Friday, right after the press conference, there was a guest on named Frank McKay, who actually is a Long Island radio broadcaster. He happened to be on a show that has a bald lawyer as a host. And he said there has been a cover-up through the last two administrations uh, of not pursuing these murder cases. And it's because that area is known to be like a little sex cultish kind of area. So so far far we've had all this with Curtis Sleeve. He gave the names of prostitution ring. We've had all this. Did did he do it on Friday? Did he do it on Friday when they made the arrest? Well, no, you have to understand the arrest came. I was off the air. So, (laughs) right, right. So I came in in Monday morning and Curtis Sleeve uh, dropped this bomb. He named Burke. He named uh, Spoto. All these guys, and you know Peter King was I on. I know you want to be accurate. Over oh that. no, I would. Oh no, I'm accurate. In fact, in fact, uh, Peter King denied it. He said no, the FBI was there right away. And then I had Ray Tierney. I know you spoke to him yesterday, but of all the interviews Tierney has done, mine with him yesterday was by far the best. I mean, by far. No, there's no doubt about it. And I, I said I, to Ray, I, I said, I said, Ray, listen to me. You know, the, the, the Bergs and the Spotos and the prostitution ring and the FBI didn't get involved. And Ray said to me, Sid, the FBI did not get involved till I won in 2022. That is 12 years after they found the last body, almost 16 years since the murder started. And nobody can give an explanation outside of Curtis and maybe your friend Frank, who said, listen, some of these guys ended up with these girls and they did not want the FBI anywhere near that. Peter King denied it. But it turns out Peter's going to be wrong here. And and Curtis and McKay and all these guys are going to be right, which makes this even uglier than just a uh, you know yeah, a serial killer. You're, you're, you're correct because 
apparently the FBI expressed interest in getting involved. And this is the part that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And they're saying the local law enforcement turned them away 12 years ago, 10 years ago. I don't think, I didn't think, maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't think local law enforcement had the power to turn the FBI away. I thought if when the FBI comes in and says, no, 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 there's serial killers coming on here, you know, we're going to investigate. But according to what this guy who's been working this case for a decade told me, no, they turned it away. And the yep. reason why they turned it away is they didn't want the FBI nosing around. Right. And apparently, the like, girls. What, that, I, let me ask him, have you ever heard of that area of, of Long Island, Gilgo Beach? Because I never have. Well, no, I heard of it because I knew about the murders. I mean, I. Right, but besides, besides the murders. Oh, I've never been out know? there. I've never been out there. I mean, no. I, I mean, Curtis went as far as to tell me. Uh, about I think it's called Oak Park, which is a gated community where a lot of these girls, including Shannon Gilbert, Gilbert is one of the four girls possibly here, I guess. She was from Jersey City. That's how detailed Curtis was. What the hell was she doing in uh, Gilgo Beach from Jersey City if she wasn't, in fact, prostituting herself or one of these guys? Wait a minute, Sidney. I don't, I don't you're not allowed to use prostitute anymore. Now we use the term sex worker. What is that? Sex worker. Which, yeah, I, I was correct. <laughs> yeah, go, no, I know. Oh, you don't use prostitution. <laughs> yeah. You use sex worker. Oh, whatever. I go, what is it, like a sanitation worker? No matter how you look at it, in all honesty, while everybody's running around congratulating, and they should, Ray Tierney, great job, Rodney Harrison, great job, and way to go. And even though there may be another murderer out there, because we're not sure if this guy killed 4, 10, or all 18, while they're all congratulating themselves, there may be, and there is going to be, an even uglier cover-up story involving these local guys and the FBI that may dwarf what Rex Uriman did. Well, don't forget, two of the main people are in prison as we speak, the former police commissioner and the former DA, not the one before Tierney, that was Tim Sini, but before him, Boda, he's in, she's sitting in prison at 80 years old, and his police commissioner sitting in, in prison, um, that hasn't... That oh, has no, is, is Burke still in prison? Up. Are you sure Burke is still in prison? I don't know, maybe he's out, but he got he got sentenced yes. to prison, and, yes. and, yes. and so did the DA himself. Which right. is, I mean, right. think about it. the DA is in prison. That's a prison. he's out. Yeah, he's out. Yes, he is out. Um, either way, it is uh, it's an ugly situation. Do you do you think, Artie, based upon the evidence that you've seen, and uh, just uh, this guy and his makeup and all that, do you think he is the lone killer for all these bodies missing? It's too hard to say. I mean, I will tell you this. I heard, in, and Ray just said this in his press conference, they wanted to continue the investigation. They wanted to keep it going, but he kept seeking out prostitutes, and they were afraid he was going to kill one of them while they were surveilling him. Right. And I think, you know, he said at some point public safety is more important than solving the, the, the crimes of people who have already been deceased. But I would not be surprised. I listened to a long 911 tape of one of the other girls who was missing, and there's clearly two men in that tape who were talking to her and she she's found in a puddle in a shallow puddle shannon that's her that was gilbert name. that was shannon gilbert right 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 there's clearly two voices yeah. Yeah. of two men in that tape so i mean this investigation in my opinion is really just beginning yeah. and who knows maybe maybe and it's a long shot but it wouldn't be the first time the feds have done anything like this or the state government has done something like this yeah they sit down and they say to the guy look these other families need some closure if you want to see the light of day, if you want to get out of prison at 85 years old, we'll give you a plea to 35 years, but you got to tell us X, Y, and Z. 
Yeah. It's an, it's not it's not unheard of. Now, last 60 seconds, it's your job. I get it, okay? Somebody has to defend Harvey Weinstein. If you can make money, why not you? Just like Takapina. Somebody had to defend Yoran Bandeslut, even though I'm sure he killed that girl in Aruba. Why not him? So I'm not judging your character. In fact, I think you and Tak are both some of the best men I've ever met in my whole life. You're both wonderful guys. But if, in fact, this case, hypothetical, fell in your lap, could you go to work every day and defend this guy? Yes, because I'm not really defending him. I'm just defending the process. I'm making sure that no one thinks it's okay in America, even if someone's guilty, to kick in their door, to make sure in America, even if you think they're guilty, to chop their phone, because that affects every single one of us. And they're doing it more and more. They're in our they're in our grill. They know what, what credit cards we're charging, where easy pass where we're going. What, what tolls we're going through when we go through the, uh, I'm sorry, what train stations we're going through, these are all of our liberties that we're protecting. We're just making sure everyone is playing by the rules. That's the bottom, bottom line. And if everyone plays by the rules and the guy's guilty and he gets sentenced to life in prison, then so be it.